Listener Production. On today's edition of Footy Talk, Jack Heverin and I dissect the prelim finals and try and see if we can find a winner. We'll talk about the new Richmond coaching job and have a look at the new CBA and who the big winners and losers are. That's all to come next on Footy Talk. There's no doubt about it. This is the best weekend of the AFL season. Preliminary finals. We are down to our final four and two games with fascinating outcomes all on their way. You'll hear them all, of course, on Triple M Footy. This is Footy Talk. Gee, it's great to have you company. I'm Jack Heverin alongside St Kilda Hall of Famer Joey Montagna. Joey, we are down to our last four and both games should be awesome. Yeah, g'day Jack. Best weekend of the year. Uh, this is for the f- footy purists and to be fair, what I love about this year, there are storylines everywhere. Whichever way you look, whether it's the Brisbane Lions finally at their fifth crack getting through, whether it's Collingwood and the fairy tale that they missed out on last year, whether Adam Kingsley can pull something out of the out of the hat and get them to a grand final in his first year. Or is it Carlton, the most remarkable story of the year, if they get through to a grand final? I can't wait. Uh, I love the weekend and uh, looking forward to the games. Now, be honest, um, because you are a well-connected man, which means that you get access to things that us mere mortals don't normally get access to. How many people have asked you for tickets for games this weekend? I actually got asked more for the Brisbane-Carlton game than I did Collingwood and the Giants. I had a, a number of people wanting to get up to the Gabba, right, to scramble. Um, but I was able to get my hands on a couple for the Gabba and uh, and I was able to get two for Collingwood and the Giants. And I've given them to Daisy Thomas, who his sister wanted to go. Poor Daisy missed out. He couldn't believe it. He said, I'm a Hall of Famer at Collingwood, life member. And uh, he couldn't get tickets. So I was able to help him out. His sister will go to the game. So, yeah, plenty of interest and there's going to be massive crowds both games. I, I must admit, I've been on the Gold Coast since last Friday. You were up here for a few days as well for, for some other things that we're doing. Even the Brisbane Lions, and we'll get to that game in a few moments, but even the Brisbane Lions are a talking point on the Gold Coast right now. It's a big weekend in Queensland. The Broncos are in the preliminary final tomorrow night as well. But um, there's an air of expectations for the Lions. I guess the question is, is how do they handle that? Well, we're not going to know until uh, tomorrow night, Jack. But my my feel is they are ready. This is is their time. So as I said, the fifth crack at it. They've lost two prelims and two – Semi-finals, I think they're, they've had enough experience now. They've built up enough resilience. They're confident and they're playing, most importantly, the, the best brand of their, their four or five years. Defensively, they're more solid. They're, they're playing the right way. There's no excuses, really. So oh, they haven't lost at home this season. And I think they're getting probably the right team. Out of the four teams that are still in the prelim, uh, probably Carlton is the one you would take. I mean, as, as gutsy and as great as their two wins have been against Sydney and Melbourne, they probably haven't been the most convincing football. So, look, I think it sets up perfectly for the Brisbane Lions. What about Jack Payne? This time of year, there's always an injury story. There's a hard luck story uh, and someone who has a fitness test and going to be given till the last minute. Brisbane haven't even given Jack Payne until the last minute. They've drawn a line through him at selection last night. Yeah, and this is the opening for Carlton now. If there is an opening, I think this is the opportunity because last time these two teams met Brisbane Carlton in round eight, Jack Payne had his breakout game. He won the battle against Charlie Curnow, kept him to a goal, took five intercept marks himself and really announced himself as an important key defender for the Brisbane Lions and in the competition. So without him... It just leaves them a little bit vulnerable. So they've brought in Darcy Gardner and they've got Ryan Lester. I believe Harris Andrews will play on Harry Mackay. He did the job last time. I think that's the right matchup. I think Ryan Lester, from all reports, is the one that gets Charlie Kerno. He played on Jeremy Cameron 
uh, earlier in the season. I think this is a chance for Carlton to exploit that matchup and get Charlie Kerno one out in the goal square and try and see if they can get Harris Andrews high, get him out of the way, and see if Charlie Kerno can kick five or six and single-handedly win this game for the Blues. I know we're in the era of modern zone defences and full-ground defence and all that sort of stuff, but could you see a situation early here where Carlton almost go old-school Pagan's Paddock kind of thing and just give Charlie as much room in that one-on-one matchup as possible? Yeah, I'd like to see them do it. I think that's what they've got to, to try and exploit if they can. More playing Charlie deep because I think you want Harry Mackay higher. To be fair, if you're a Carlton supporter, you don't want Harry Mackay taking marks 25, 30 <laughs> metres out from goal. You don't. You'd rather him marking the ball up on the wings, half forward, and then wheeling and kicking it into to Charlie Kerno. So that's going to be their chance. Of course, they need to dominate as well in the midfield. That's where it's got to start. So can Walsh and Chera and Hewitt and Cripps put in a Herculean performance and give enough supply and deny Brisbane's forwards? That's maybe how they can cause an upset. But as I said, I just I find it hard to to see Brisbane faltering at this stage. So for the Blues, were you surprised to see Brody Kemp left out last night? Having this chat off air, Jack, I think for me it looks like it's going to be a matchup thing because really with Brisbane now, you only need the two tools because of Hipwood and Danaher. So they've got their Weedering and Marchbank and then they're going to be the smalls at Brisbane that are going to do the damage. So I think Newman's the logical matchup for Charlie Cameron. And then I think you need a bit of speed to play on the likes of Zach Bailey and Lincoln McCarthy and and some of the others at ground level. So I think they've probably gone with that matchup. Kemp got beaten last week by Joel Smith. Maybe they've decided they don't need that sort of third tall and can play a bit smaller down back. So what's this situation like for Carlton where you've played two big finals in a row and this is the third? Like not so much the – well, the physical toll, yes, but – the emotional toll and how much petrol it takes out of the tank. Like how much will they have left going into tomorrow night? Yeah, not even they know, Jack. And this is the thing. We're not going to know till post-game. So they might continue to ride this wave of momentum and energy and put in one hell of a performance. And it's either going to be a close game and it falls either way. Or, as we see generally in, in one of the prelims, a team has really probably got to as far as they can and they've achieved and then they're just not up to it and, and the, the, the previous toll sort of wears them down and they end up getting blown out, you know, 30, 40 points. It's very common. I mean, I think there's some numbers going around the last sort of four or five final series. We've had a lot of blowouts in prelims. Yeah. So we were lucky to have the close one between Collingwood and Sydney last year, but some of the others have been 70-point results. So as much as we don't ever preempt that, the reality is that does happen you know, more often than not. So it's just got to be interesting to see what the Blues dish up. That's tomorrow night. Tonight, Collingwood and the Giants at the MCG. Another massive crowd has no surprise given the, the Collingwood Army have been flocking in droves in the last few years, well, basically forever. But I don't know, Joey. I'm sort of just going off everything by what I'm reading, what you're seeing on social media, podcasts, whatever, because I've been interstate all week. I feel like there's a groundswell of support for the Giants here. Am I reading this wrong? No, you're not. And and there's it's it's probably fair. So this has been interesting, again, following the, the commentary, is that everyone's saying, oh, how can people be tipping the Giants? Collingwood have been the best team all year. And they have been. But the problem was Collingwood were the best team when they were the, when they were first 10 rounds of the year, when they were on top of the ladder. When you take – and I don't know how much you can go back to form from the first sort of three months of the season. You've got to look at the last couple of months. And the Giants have won 11 of their last 13. Yeah. And they've beaten everyone before them. They've won interstate. They've beaten top teams. Collingwood have been still pretty good. We're not saying that they're struggling. But have they been as good as the Giants? Probably not. So that's where the – and all the numbers come into it, the way that the Giants are playing. 
is that they are the most informed team in the competition. The way they're scoring from stoppage, from turnover, from their forward half, from their back half, their personnel are all informed. Like they've got an elite defense at the moment. Their midfielders are all flying. A forward line with Jesse Hogan and Toby Green and those two smalls in Daniels and Bedford. So I think it's fair that all the the noise is pointing towards the Giants. The thing is, you can't discount Collingwood. You, not when you say can't discount them, it's making out like they're, you know, that they shouldn't be winning. While the numbers might not favour Collingwood, I've learned off the back half of this year, Jack, the numbers are a bit of an outlier for Collingwood because they just find a way to win. Whether it's whether it's kicking six goals in a quarter of footy to blow a game open, whether it's coming out of the blocks, whether it's coming from three goals down at three-quarter time, whether it's hanging on to a lead like they did against Melbourne, whatever it is, the Pies just find a way. And I think that's probably the angle that I'm looking at now, even though I, you know I'm a man that looks at the numbers and, and it's a very good guide throughout the home and away season. And plus the biggest factor of all, 95,000 Collingwood fans at the MCG. What is that worth either to start the game or to finish the game? So while for me, the numbers all point to the Giants are absolutely in this game up to their eyeballs. I'm not going to tip against Collingwood because of that fact that they just find a way to win. The start's a good point. So I think back to the St Kilda elimination final. It was very much obviously a pro St Kilda crowd at the MCG. And the Giants were just maybe a little bit slow to get going. 10 or 15 minutes. It didn't cost them that much because St Kilda were a bit wasteful and kind of messed around with the footy a little bit. But how important – this is your forum. You know what this is like to play on this sort of stage. How important is the first 10 minutes tonight? It's massive for the Giants. If they allow Collingwood to get a fast start, that crowd and the momentum, the pies are away. They are off and gone. If the Giants can be in the contest and even just put a little bit of little bit of scoreboard pressure on Collingwood and make Collingwood play catch up, it not only does it sort of um, fuel the Giants' footy and, and feel they're in the contest, it does just start to build a little bit of pressure on the opposition. So the start is always crucial in a big final, and it'll be no different in this one. I'm going to get all of your predictions before we finish up as well. Don't forget, of course, on Footy Talk, if you're listening on Spotify, hit the bell on the other side of this. The Tigers have got their coach, trade news, and the CBA has landed. This is Footy Talk. It's our preliminary final edition of Footy Talk. Joey Montagna and Jack Heverin. If you've got a question for us, of course, you can hit us up on Instagram as always at Footy Talk underscore pod and on TikTok as well at Footy Talk Pod. Tigers have got their coach, Joey. It came down to Andrew McWalter, who's been the interim coach and, and done a pretty good job this year. And Adam Uze, who's fallen short a couple of times, and he gets his chance now, Adam Uze. He does. Congratulations to him. He, he's missed out on a couple. Uh, it's always felt like he was a, a coach in waiting. So they've gone that way. It's going to be interesting to see my first thoughts is what their game style looks like and how it changes because I was leaning to the camp of why would the Richmond want to change the Richmond way, the, the yep. way that's been so successful for the last six to seven years, not only the way they play on the field, which is the modern game, because to be fair, Collingwood and the Giants, who have taken coaches from Richmond, are implementing the Richmond way, and they're playing in the prelims this weekend, but also what Richmond have established off the field with their culture and the the vulnerabilities piece and, and everything you hear coming out of that club. I would have thought that they would have wanted that to continue. And maybe Andrew McWalter could have done that with just a bit of a, a fresh voice and his own, you know, sprinkle on top. But they've gone from an outside man who has also come from a successful environment in the Demons, but they do play different 
to Richmond. So fascinating to see how that pans out over the next couple of years. But well done to Adam Uze. Uh, looking forward to seeing what he can produce because I still think the Tigers have a really strong list. I think their list is good enough to be playing finals next year. So see what he does. This is a great job, isn't it? I think the, yep. tig- the Tigers, when you go to a big club, big membership base, you know, very, very well run from the very top with Brendan Gale and, and the work that Peggy O'Neill did. They're a strong club and their list is bloody decent. It is. And, and I mean, people are looking at and going, oh, they don't have good young kids. And they're starting it at like, you know, the age or 22 and under or 21 and under. Everyone forgets that like Liam Baker, Noah Bolter, you know, they've got heaps of guys that are still in that right age bracket. Yeah. Um, Josh Gibkiss is going to be a Danny star. Danny Rioli. Uh, Rioli and, and Shorts and, and a few others is a heap that are still in their prime of their careers. And Taranto and Hopper are only 25, 26 years of age. So there's a real window over the next five years, blooding some youngsters, keeping some of their veterans, I think they can be back contending in the not-too-distant future. What about Minnie, your little teammate? As we said, he did a really, really good job as the interim coach, which is never an easy position. He's fallen short. Uh, he's obviously going to, or I would think, move on. Where do you think he should look? Uh, he'll be in demand, I would think. Because of that IP that I just spoke about, the Richmond IP, I think, is becoming the new the new Hawthorne IP under previously under Clarko, where all those coaches, you know, Adam Simpson and Luke Beveridge and, and Brett Ratton and all those guys got their chance. So I think clubs will be clamouring over Andrew McWalter. I think the Bulldogs, for me, is probably a good fit. Yep. But now we know they have some vacancies, and I think they need to rejig the way they play with, with the talent they've got on their list. And now Melbourne, I mean, need someone. There's a lot of talk about, do Melbourne want to change their ball movement a little bit? Is it, you know, could they do a bit of a swap and, and he maybe look at um, improving Melbourne's game style or even a club like the Kangaroos would probably would love to get their hands on someone like Andrew McWalter. So I wouldn't be surprised that uh, he'd have a number in uh, ringing him up in the next week or so. Trade news is starting to hot up. Uh, Todd Goldstein was the one that landed late yesterday has informed North Melbourne of his desire to move on. 315 games it is going to be very weird wherever he decides to go, Joey, to not see Todd Goldstein in a North Melbourne jumper. Yeah, it is. It is. But we start to get a bit more used to it. Um, trying to figure out which clubs are the best fit are interesting. We're hearing Essendon. Uh, it's Essendon, are the, the ones it? keen. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm sort of surprised by that. Like Sam Draper's their number one ruck. They've got him. So what does is Goldstein the number one or is he the backup? Is he is he not in their best team? Is he just as an insurance? Because I also think Nick Bryan is coming along okay. Do they think Draper and Goldstein can play in the same team together like Phillips and Draper did with Andrew Phillips retiring? Like Grundy um, and Gorn. Like Grundy and Gorn, exactly <laughs> right, Jack. So uh, a lot to play out. But, uh, yeah, there is one that uh, that has sort of bobbed up, and I'm sure there'll be a couple more. And Ben Mackay, the Ben and Harry podcast is flying, obviously, on the listener app. They've just launched a range of T-shirts. Um, it looks like Hawthorne are favourites at this stage for him. The, the market and the amount of teams interested in Ben seems to be just dropping back a little bit. Yeah, we need the footy talk T-shirts. Zoe, let's yeah, go. We're going to get some merch going and uh, light it up. But interesting with Ben Mackay, I've heard Hawthorne, my initial thoughts, my first thoughts, Ben Mackay, you've played in about 10 wins in seven years at Kangaroos. Why would you want to go to Hawthorne that I still believe are two, three years away from being a challenger to play finals and in a team that, again, is going to continue to lose? That's that's an interesting one. Is it because they're paying the most money and the most security? I would have thought Essendon is a perfect fit. They need Ben Mackay. They should be expecting to play finals uh, as soon as next year. But he's got to make the call and still seems he's making that decision. It's taken a long time, but the new CBA has been thrashed out. Now, there were complications with this, Joey, obviously, because – 
Uh, the AFLW players had a vested interest and in, as they should. So there were layers there that needed to be untangled a little bit as well. But uh, a couple of things that really jumped out to me, mid-season trade period, I think that will become more and more interesting. The other is more five-day breaks, which clearly is going to pave the way for more Thursday games. Yeah, and that's, and that's how it all works, Jack. The negotiation meant you want more money players, no worries, but you've got to give us something back as an industry. And they're the three big ones, mid-season trading, there'll be more Thursday night games and increased media access, yeah, which means every player. Um, it's going to be interesting to police is my first thought. You know, if every every media outlet wants Dustin Martin every week for next year, I'm tipping Dusty will find ways to get out of it. And it'd be interesting to see what the punishment is and, and how that looks. Do they get the doctor to write them a note and say that uh, <laughs> Dustin was unwell this afternoon and unable to show up for the media day? I don't know what it looks like, but um, that's going to be interesting. That'll, that'll mean that a lot of um, – that there'll be a small amount of players doing a heavy lifting, a lot of heavy lifting for the clubs. Yeah. Because you're going to want to speak to the same four or five players, but that'll all, all work itself out. There's a small part of me, Joey, that feels really sorry for the club media managers because they're going to be told to piss off a lot more by <laughs> players. <laughs> yeah, they will be. That's right. Um, so that's going to be interesting. But, yeah, look, I think it's great. The three-year contract as well for the first-round draft picks, I'm a fan of. I think that uh, it just gives everybody a bit more certainty. And it's stopping the – I suppose a bit of leverage it was going to these young players too early where even if they went to an interstate club, they were demanding massive money in their third year before they'd even played a game for some of them. So this just brings back a little bit of power to the clubs. I think it's a win-win for everyone. AFLW average wage will incre- almost double by the time this is all sorted out in 2027. We'll go to a little over $80,000. Games are going to increase as well. So uh, you never really know. There's always devil in the detail, but it seems like they've landed on a pretty good result here for everyone. Is that fair? I think so. I mean, I've seen there's going to be some clauses in regards to the amount of games is going to be dependent on broadcasting and and audiences. So I think that means the girls are going to back themselves in, that they can generate enough um, audiences, both live and on TV, to to warrant getting 14 games. That would be interesting. But at least now it does set up that as these young girls that are playing right now want to play AFLW, they know they can do it as a full-timer and uh, they don't have to you know, necessarily have a second job and, and try and juggle things. And if they do want to move into state, which I think that money lends itself to me, Jack, saying that maybe eventually becomes a national draft. So if you're going to get $80,000, you know, that that's enough to live off. You, you can move into state as opposed to, you know, it makes it too hard at the moment only earning half that. So that's probably where it'll get to at some stage. Yeah, the draft system isn't working at the moment. For some of the interstate teams, they're not getting any better. And you look at yep. West Coast as an example, they're not improving because the pipeline's just not working. So that definitely needs to be looked at. Okay, we are down to the back end of footy talk. It's time for bold predictions. Joey, I want the winners and give me something out of both of the prelims as a bold prediction. My bold prediction for Brisbane Carlton, I think Brisbane win comfortably. I think it might be a 30-plus result. Um, And I think that Joe Danaher is going to be again right in the action. He was almost BOG, first final kick five. I think he backs it up and kicks another four or five and just puts to bed all this talk about his finals performances and, you know, how much they can rely on him. And he leads the Brisbane Lions into a grand final. And my bold prediction is Collingwood by three points in the other game. This will be the nail-biter. This is going to be one hell of a game. And the story will come out of it, Jack, that – the bowl predict that Nick Dacos led the team to a victory. He's best on ground tonight. He goes into Monday night as the only player ever to try and win a Brownlow in his second season. Yep. And the whole week is going to build up about Collingwood and Brisbane. 
20 years ago, 2003, they played and all the attention on Nick Dacos. They're my bold predictions. What about you? I want yours. Uh, I've got Collingwood and Brisbane winning as well. I, I always take the logic that preliminary final are just about always back the favourites and- unless there's some sort of you know major injury issue or something like that. So I've got the Pies winning tonight. I've got Brisbane winning tomorrow. Uh, for the Brisbane game, I think Lockie Neal will be best on ground. That's my bold prediction. He was pretty well held by Willem Drew in the qualifying final. And I think one thing we know about Lockie is he's a competitive little bugger and he won't want to yep. play two bad games in a row. So I think he'll be my best on ground tonight. Um, tonight is the Jordan Degoe game, I think. Ooh, tonight, yep. tonight is the game where Jordan Degoe, midfield forward, grabs it by the scruff of the neck. And if you were asking me to give the three votes... Now, I think Jordan Ngoi would be the best player on the ground tonight. Yeah, I like it, Jack. I like it. Hey, thank you for jumping in. I know you're at the NBL Blitz, which is doing wonderful things up there on the Gold Coast. Mate, there's some young talent getting around there. We will chat about that. So thank you for your time and enjoy the weekend. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to drive up to Brisbane tomorrow for the prelim and get stuck into it for Triple M footy. So it's going to be awesome. Thanks for having me. Your team. Listener.